Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 18, Feeling Good is Good Enough. There's a scene in the movie Platoon um, after uh, Charlie Sheen's character gets injured he comes back to his platoon and um, he ends up uh, kind of hooking up with the uh, Willem Dafoe's team on in in the uh, in the platoon and they uh, part of that team's mo is they they smoke weed and uh, Charlie Sheen ends up you know kind of in an underground bunker and they're all all the guys are getting high anyway uh, and there's a scene where Willem Dafoe walks up to Charlie Sheen and, you know, he says to him, you know, how you feeling? And, and uh, or actually, he, he, Charlie Sheen smokes marijuana for the first time and he's getting high. And Willem Dafoe, you know, ask him, you know, how, how he's feeling. And Charlie Sheen's like, oh, you know, feels feels good. He doesn't feel the pain anymore. And uh, Willem Dafoe says, you know, feeling good is good enough. And that's kind of how I, you know, feel right now um, since we've gone on a little bit of a run. Um, right now it is, uh, pre-market on Wednesday, um, and the stock is at $37.42. Now, the day before it had gotten up to, you know, it was 30, $38 and in, in change, uh, which is pretty good compared to, you know, being $31. So it's a nice little run, um, and when it's going up, it feels, it feels really good, and I keep... You keep waiting for that that big run to happen. Um, I've talked about I used to live in Los Angeles, Southern California, Burbank, California, and I was there for the '94 um, earthquake, and that was scary. Now, most earthquakes you feel in in Los Angeles, they're pretty quick. They're sort of over before they even begin. A little the building might shake for a second or two, and People kind of look up and say, well, was that, was that an earthquake? Did you guys feel that? Um, and most of the time, they're over, really, before you know they even started. That quake in 94, it happened in the middle of the night. It was like, at, I don't know if it was 4 in the morning, or I forget exactly when, but it was early in the morning. I was sleeping. That thing basically shook me out of bed. I was in my bed, and it, I was just a bachelor. I was just a kid. Um... 20, 20 something kid. God, I could have been 94. Yeah, I've been like 25. So, like, I just had a couple. I had a box spring and a mattress that sat on the floor. I didn't even have a, a frame. Um, anyway, and it shook me out of bed, and I tried to stand up, and I could not stand up. It was like kind of trying to, you know, stand up on a surfboard or something. Or if you had a surfboard, you put like a coffee, you know, a round cylinder under it, you know, and you're trying to wobble your way up, and then you hear everything shaking in the apartment. Stuff that wasn't meant to be shaking. Walls, windows, you know, cupboards full of plates. Just that sound, that shh. And um, it was scary. And you realize you are not in control. Imagine being on a roller coaster without any safety controls. And that's how it felt. Um, And since that happened then what would happen is when I would feel one of those little quakes, 
I kept wondering, is this going to be a big one? And it, it's funny, before the big one, the quakes were kind of fun. Not, I don't want to say fun, but it was like, oh, wow, it was an earthquake. It was an earthquake. After the big one, they were scary because you didn't know what was coming. So now when we have these little runs and you see the stock, you know, go up a couple bucks, when it's happening, I always kind of, you know, say to myself, you know, is this it? Is this it? And usually it's a good feeling, at least going up, <laughs> going down, it's, it, it is like the bad feeling. I don't necessarily fear for my life, um, like the earthquakes, wondering if the big one's about to happen. Um, but it, it feels good when it goes up and you keep wondering, is this it? Is this it? Is it going to keep going? Or at least is it going to get back to 50? Is it going to get to 60 or 70? Um, but bottom line is it feels good. We've talked about that. When it goes up, it feels good. And when it goes down, it feels bad. And right now, I just, I just want to say feeling good is good enough. That I'm glad it's going up. It's got a long way to go for me. Um, till we're, you know, in the black on our investment. And I think once that happens, I'll feel a lot better. Um, but it's nice. So I want to, it's funny, I want to touch on, I've had done a few of these episodes and I want to touch on some of them. So I did an episode on my Lambo, my Lambo story. Interesting enough, I, I talked about that my dream car as a kid was the Lamborghini Countach. Now, they did the Countach till, I think, the either the late 80s or early 90s, and then they came out with the Diablo, which I didn't like as much. And then they would just, you know, they came out with all these different versions of their V12, and none of them really did it for me like the Countach did, the original Lamborghini. To me, that was it. That was the Lamborghini. And um, as I told you, as I started entertaining these thoughts of getting, you know, millions of dollars potentially... I thought, you know what, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my dream car, and then I looked and I saw how much they were going for, and they're like, it's about six hundred thousand dollars for a Countach, and I was like, Jesus, I'm not gonna pay that much for a Countach, an old sports car like that, that, you know, as nice as it would be to have it, um, for me, it's more like a sculpture than a car, and it was just gonna be too much money, and it's also gonna be for an old car, now. The one really cool car I've ever owned, I I got a 2005 uh, Mustang. And what I loved about that 2005 Mustang was it was the retro look. That was the first year they came out with the retro look Mustang. And it looked like an old Mustang, but it was a new car. And that's what I loved about it. It had the old styling of the, uh, like the 60s Mustang, but it was a 2005 car. It was brand new at the time. Well, funny, Lamborghini announced the other day they were coming out with the 50th anniversary Countach, and they were coming out with a brand new version of the Countach, the Lamborghini Countach, and it was going to go back to the simpler look of the Countach as opposed to some of the cars they come out with now, which are pretty outrageous, look like the Batmobile, practically. But you want to know something? I wouldn't buy one. I wouldn't buy one. And I want to go back to what I talked about, that car, the Countach being a art, a sculpture, more than a car. And I think that's what it is for me. I think the old Countach body is, like to me, a masterwork sculpture. 
And let's say you have a masterwork, a piece of art, and you and everybody knows that piece of art. You know whether it's irises or, you know, uh, the, you know the Mona Lisa or you know the statue of David. You know these pieces of art. They they bring out the emotion, right? But let's say someone you know was commissioned to do the new and improved Mona Lisa, the new and improved iris, the new and improved David. Um, it wouldn't quite be the same. It's possible that it could be better. But probably not. That when a piece of art is worked on by the artist, you know they they work on it until they're they're done, and they say they present it to the public, and then you know it either takes or it doesn't take. And I think that's what it is with me for the Countach. That I look at this new version that they came out with, and I'm like, man, eh, it's not a, it's not a Countach. It's not it's not the one from the poster when I was a kid. And I don't know if I would get it. Okay, so. Another thing is it's just, it's going to be super expensive and super exclusive, so it's kind of a non-factor. Um, they're only going to make, I think, like 114 of these things, and they're going to be millions of dollars. So it's not, it wasn't even realistic in the first place. But um, it just goes to say about something about that classic Lamborghini Countach design that I thought. But I did, I did think it was funny that, you know, I'd been, you know, did a podcast on it. And had just been thinking a lot about the the Lamborghini, and then they came out. They came out with this anniversary, and edition of a, a Countach. So that was pretty funny. Um, you know, I got to tell you something. The one car I would get right now is a new Corvette. Um, the more I think about it, that over a Porsche, over a Ferrari, even a, a Lamborghini is the new Corvette. And the reasoning for me behind that is, you know, you're going to get a car. It has the look of a Lamborghini almost, the look of a Ferrari, the, the very exotic looking car, you know, mid-engine design. They changed it, the Corvette from, you know, a front-engine V8 to a mid-engine V8. And they, they were able to, you know, adjust the look of it. The nose is a little lower. You didn't have to have stuff a, a big engine in that front end now, so it has a different look to it. Um, and you're going to get this exotic supercar look and performance. They're They're... For what you pay for, it's a great value, even though the, obviously a brand new Corvette is expensive compared to a, you know, you know, $600,000 supercar, it's a, it's a bargain. And, and that's how I feel like, yeah, that's what, that's where I put my money. But here's the catch. Um, you buy a Ferrari, you buy a Lamborghini, you buy a Porsche. Those are very expensive cars to own. And you know, you got to take them to a Ferrari, a Porsche, or a Lamborghini dealership, you know, usually to get work done. Corvette, you take to the Chevrolet dealership. And I think that's the the biggest thing to me is like, yes, it's a, it's a lot of money, but it's not such a crazy investment um, as one of these other exotic cars. Um, although right now it's they're pretty exclusive. They, they, they've, had, they've had issues with coronavirus parts, I think some, some recalls. So seeing a, a brand new Corvette out is pretty, you know, still pretty rare. Um, they're a pretty exclusive car right now. Basically, you have to order one. It's kind of like Tesla. You order it and they deliver it to you. Um, you don't go to the lot and take your pick. They just don't have any inventory on the lots. They're sold out, basically. Um, so there is that sense of exclusivity that's, you know, going to be with this car for at least, you know, a couple years, I would think. And um, so that means that, yeah, let's say it does moon and we get a bunch of money. 
you know, I probably won't be able to, uh, you know, buy one right away. But you know what? I can wait. I don't need a car. And it's kind of stupid if you get a lot of money to just go right out and, and blow it on a, a big expense like a car. Um, that's one of the traps that you can, <laughs> you fall into when you get a lot of money. It's just that if I did had to buy something fun like that, that's what it would be. It would I would just save my money and I would buy a new Corvette. Um, you're going to get a brand new car with all the bells and whistles. You're going to get a, you know exotic looking car. And for the money, you know, you'll be able to take it to a Chevrolet dealership to get it, the oil changed. Um, so that's that. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I'm looking at the stock right now, AMC, and it's at $37.40. And um, I always wait for the moment. Whether it's you know pre market or I wake up and maybe it's the point where I've stopped <coughs> looking at it every five minutes and I'm going to be surprised like it's taken some huge jump. Well, most of the time when I look at stocks, it's AMC. That's it. Every once in a while, I'll take a peek at some other stocks just to kind of see how they're doing if something's in the news. Or if I see a news story that Bitcoin has fallen dramatically. Not that I know I don't invest in crypto, but it, it's always one of those indicators. Is somebody selling, you know, Bitcoin because they need money to cover their their AMC short? So I always kind of check it out and see where where Bitcoin's at. And it's I don't know what it's at right now, but it, but it was at the time where I, that I'm trying the story about. It was about forty four thousand. So anyway, so I checked on Bitcoin on the app that I was watching to monitor AMC. And then, you know, went on about my day, right? So oh, I forgot I had done this. Um, and a, a, a little while later, I went back to check AMC. So I click on the app and like this 44,000 shows up. And I just, I was just looking at the 40, you know, the 40 part of it, not even the 44,000 part of it, only because um, AMC has been in the 30s for a while now. And uh, it, it's sort of that instant of like, oh my God, is it in the 40s now? Did it jump to the 40s? And then you realize it's Bitcoin that I was looking at. And then I'm like, oh, let me go back to, I'm at the wrong tab. And I go back to like the, the you know, the main tab that I go to. And even then it, it, it freaked me out for a second because it went, it went to my, um, my total balance on that account instead of the individual price of AMC. So I got two freak outs. Two freakouts for the price of one. And then, of course, I went back to regular AMC pricing. Um, but I thought that was kind of funny being freaked out by that. And then, I, so I told you the Lambo story. The other one that I want to talk about is, you know, I did the, the podcast episode on Am I an Addict? And what, how, how do you know if you're an addict? And one of the, an AMC addict. And, and one of the things I talked about is like, well, instead of AMC stock, what if it was alcohol? Right, and then would you would you consider that person an alcoholic? You know, you're at a party and you have a couple of drinks. Are you an alcoholic? No, you're probably a social drinker. Not a big deal. Um, but uh, so the other day, my daughter's starting kindergarten, and at their school they do a little kindergarten camp where they let them the kids come in for about like three days and introduce them to what kindergarten's going to be like. And they are at it's at this um, after we dropped our daughter off. There was a there was a thing for parents afterward where the, they met talk the principal talked to them and then the you know parent you know organization talks to us as well. Now our son had gone through this two years ago, so a lot of this was we know all this information, but we still went through it for her 
anyway, but we kind of knew a lot of it. Some of it was updated. Um, so there was a reason for us to be there, but a lot of it we knew. So as, as the, the principal's giving this talk and we're gathered in the parking lot with the other parents, um, you know, after a little while, I pull my phone out and I start watching AMC. And this is a point when it was kind of, you know, running a little bit um, to get to, it was in like 36, you know, around the $36 range and it was kind of going up and just kind of watching it. <laughs> and and, um, and I thought, well, you know, I talked about, you know, being out like, if I was sitting out there in the parking lot drinking alcohol or sneaking an alcoholic drink during all this, clearly that would be the moment where you'd say, yeah, I think you have a problem. I think you might be addicted. Um, so that's is probably true that it there is this feeling, especially when it's good and you watch it, and it, it just feels good when it's going up, and it is it is addictive, um, no doubt about that. Um, and then also, you know, I still buy an occasional share. I know I said I reached my limits, and technically I have. It's it's very small. The what we add on to our position right now. Sometimes if there's a fractional share on there, I'll I I did that. I added up to uh, to the to round up the fractional share to a whole share, and then the other the other thing is um, for my nieces and nephews, I I bought them each a share of AMC for the birthdays this year. And normally we buy them like a gift card, and I was telling my wife, I says, you know, by the time you know, we spend what we spend on the gift card, you know, at that point, the AMC stock had gotten so low, um, you could buy them a share of AMC, and then who knows if the thing moons, kid could make thousands of dollars, you know, on their birthday. So I had, um, my brother has an account, and he has, I have my two nephews, so I just sent him the money to buy them each a share, and my brother owns their shares, and he'll sell them for, um, my two nephews. Now, um, I have two nieces as well, and but those people they didn't. I didn't, you know, have a comfortable enough rate relationship to say, hey, you know, buy, you know, buy the buy the stock, and um, I'll send you the money. One per, one person didn't have a, a, a you know a brokerage account, and um, you know the other person had had one and bought AMC, but then they sold it. Um, so I didn't want to, you know, push them and say, Hey, buy more AMC. Cause obviously it wasn't for them. And so anyway, in that, in those cases, I just bought the two shares myself and we'll, you know, we'll sell them, you know, whatever point we're comfortable selling. Um, once, you know, once everything's been covered and, and we've had the run. So, um, I, I talked about having like that number of like, okay, this is it. This is the max number that we need. But then it's funny, those two extra shares, which I know I can't really count for us because we, we're probably going to have to give those away uh, to the, you know, my, my, uh, my nieces. Um, so it's funny, whenever I reach that number, I'm like, okay, I'm good with this number. I always want to plus to it because I need two shares that I know I can't count for you know, what we, we're going to make personally on this. We have to give those two shares away. So that's always my excuse. It's usually, oh, I just want to add on two shares for, you know, my nieces. And then once I do that, um, usually it, it, you know, it, it, you end up kind of with an odd number. You're like, well, if I add one or two, you know, I'll get to a zero a number that ends in zero or a number that ends in five or something. So I'm always finding a reason to add one or two shares. 
The other reason I add, and especially when it goes on a little run like this, is that feeling like, hey, this the rocket ship is taking off, right? But you could still, the stock is still affordable. If it's under, especially if it's under $40, and boy, you could grab, you know, can you grab one or two more shares? Because in an hour, this thing's going to be at $50, $60. And at that point, you'll be kicking yourself that you didn't buy more. Why didn't I buy more? You know, when it was $31, $29. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's just that, that fear of missing out money. And even though we have our position, there's still that part of me that, you know, I just want to grab one or two shares. Financially, like I said, we really can't. We're, we're done with this. We have to think about the future at this point. And we can't keep pushing this because we don't know how long it's going to go on. I'm, you know, I'd love it for, for end in August or early September, but boy, we just don't know that. Um, and we can't keep tying up this much cash. Um, and uh, uh, especially now with school starting, and, and you know, you have all these expenses with your kids, um, and you know, so we're writing some pretty big checks, and they're coming due, and. Uh, you know we have to we have to make sure we can meet that. So we're we're at the point now where you know we're kind of tapped out, and we can add a share or two here and there. But that's it. Um, anyway, but uh, it'd be nice to to finally be at a point where it's cost prohibitive to add shares as well. That's the other thing that I keep um, you know waiting for is like when this stock just gets to a certain point where it's like that's it. You know, there's no temptation. You know, if it's in the thirty dollar range. There's still a temptation to add a share to. Um, if it gets to the $50, $60 range, then no, it's it's gone. And then by the time it's $100, $150, forget it. It's I just can't afford to do that at that point. And, and at that point, it's probably well on its way to running. Um, and and you'll you know, we're lucky that we've been able to add enough that if it does run, we'll be fine. We'll we we should be okay to to make some decent money. So anyway, um, but other than that, you know, we'll see where this run takes us. I, I hope it gets up back, um, and, you know, back into the, the mid-40s and then, you know, knocks on 50s door again maybe this week. We'll see. Who can tell? It's nice, it's nice that it's going up. I hate that feeling of manipulation, and it probably is still being manipulated, if they're just letting us, you know, you know, oh, we get to go out in the prison yard now <laughs> and see some sunlight. You know, it's like, let them out. Let them see some light before they, you know, lock us back up um, and see if they, they can shake people. Maybe. Who knows? But, you know, I think we, we all know that this stock has probably been massively oversold, massively shorted. So you're going to have guaranteed buyers. So it's just like a helium balloon. Naturally, this stock is going to want to go up. That's just it. It's just, it's just, I'm not saying it's going to rip every day, but if you just left it alone, if it was, if you didn't have people throwing these counterfeit shares at it to, to keep, to keep that stock price down, it would naturally kind of go up like it's doing now, um, and that, you know, that's my take on that. A lot of people say, oh, is there manipulation now? You know, when it goes up, you only complain about manipulation when it's going down. But I think if it's, if think if basically left alone, it will go up because there's guaranteed buyers that the, the people have to cover these, these shorts that they made. So it feels good going up, but 
you know, I've I've talked about this. I'm not a technical guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know give you charts and graphs and all that. This this podcast is really about you know your emotions and what what the the feeling is like as an investor um, going through this process. And a lot of times, like right now, okay, it's it's gone up a little bit, and I thought it would be good to do a podcast um, about that. But this isn't anything new. We've kind of felt this before. Where it gets up into the mid, you know, mid to high 30s, and then they knock it right back down again, it, which very well could happen. Um, and I don't, I don't want to make podcasts when there's nothing really new to talk about. Um, but I did want to do one now, and I think the other thing that I may, you know, start doing as well, just to try to keep this going, because hey, listen, I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. When I started it. This this podcast that this podcast subscription that I had, um, you know, I used it for my books. You know, if you want to listen to my books for free, you can. There's Zone, um, which is like a sci-fi uh, book. It's, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I should do a podcast just on that. But in general, um, I I wrote this book. God, 2018. I think it. I did it. But anyway, it was very funny to write this book about something that changes society and how we deal with things, and then to go through coronavirus right after that. Um, because it is something is, is, in the beginning of the book, it's something that only affects a few people, and then gradually, you know, it spreads into society where it affects everybody. And it was funny that, like, you know, in the book, I wanted it to be in the beginning, that it starts with, like, these weird stories you might see on the internet that you don't even really believe. And then it start, then it's like, well... I know someone that knows someone that this happened to. You tell those stories around the office. And then it comes to where it really impacts you and your family. And it's right in your face. Um, and like I said, to write that story and then go through the coronavirus. Where, you know, for me just watching it, it was just like, well, this is just something going on. And, you know, you know, China. Well, I've seen this story before. It's not going to impact here. No, no need to be too concerned. And then gradually to the point where... You know, it affected me uh, in a big way. So anyway, but yeah, that's Zone. You're, you're welcome. You listen to it for free on the podcast. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and the one thing I'll say to you is in the beginning, if you don't like any of the characters in the first four chapters, okay, it's supposed to be kind of a slice of life of these different various people. Um, none of them are in it long term. Once once you get to like chapter five, then you get the main characters that you'll stick with a little more. So if you listen to chapter one and you say, "I don't want to, I don't want to hang around with these people for, you know, 30, 40 more chapters," they, you know, they change. So that's that's the only thing that I would caution you on. That if you do want to listen to Zone and you don't like the characters in the first chapter, that's okay. They're only in the first chapter. The characters in the second chapter are only really in the second chapter until you get into it, like, I think, like, chapter five or so, then some characters stick around. And it's just to give you, you know, a, a, just seeing a, a, how different parts of society react to this in, in the beginning. So anyway, that zone, there's also a universe apart, if you like science fiction. Um, that's, that's a story about... Uh, a little boy that uh, <clears throat> there's an ant, there's an invasion of Earth, and one of the aliens comes across a, a, a baby human and decides to you know raise raise the the human on its own planet as its own son. So that's a universe apart. Um, both for free, you can listen to them here. They're on Amazon if you like. If you prefer reading, you can go to Amazon and get them. Um, 
But if you want to listen to them on this podcast. But my point was this. You know, I put these books on there. And every once in a while, someone would discover them or read them. But there's just this, there was nothing going on with this podcast. As if I do a Stories for Kids podcast, and every night, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100, you know, downloads of these, these old stories that I had recorded on there. And even those, I've kind of taken a break over the summer. But th- th- that podcast is still very popular. But this one, like I said, I think when I started it, it was like 26,000. It was ranked on Podomatic, which is what hosts it. So on Podomatic, there were over 20,000 podcasts that had more activity than than this one. And right now, um, it's ranked at 788, and it's number four in finance. So thanks for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I, th- I think what I may end up doing is, I, I mentioned this before, that I had an invention that I had submitted to SureTape Technologies, who do duck-branded duct tape. And they liked it. And for a year, they've, they've been looking at it. And like, yes, we're still looking at it. We're still interested. We're going through this process. We're going through that process. And I would just check in with them every you know, couple months and say, are you guys still, you're still working on it? They, yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Till finally, you know, recently, the, the product development um, director that I was, you know, working with said, listen, you know, if we do go forward with this, we're going to be two years out from actually having a product. And he just felt bad. He said, I don't want to tie your idea up for that long. He says, um, and he's basically kind of, you know, giving me space to take it somewhere else. And, um, and, and the one thing about having that year of just it sitting there and waiting for them, you know, waiting for Godot, uh, if you will, or waiting for Guffman, um, you know, it gave me a lot of time to think about the product and, you know, what you could do with it and this and that. And, of course, I'd much rather them deal with it because they're they're a global company and they know what they're doing and I'm an idiot. But still, I had my own ideas and, and I thought, well, what, you know, what if you did this and what if you did that? And also, I think in the time that since I had first submitted to them, I had done a few Kickstarters on my own. So my idea was to, you know, package it as a Kickstarter project and then see how it does. So that's what I'm in. I'm in the process now of putting together my Kickstarter um, and getting it approved. And I think once that, you know, comes about, I think that would be, you know, if there's not a lot of AMC news, I think it would be kind of fun to update you. If you want to keep, you know, listening to this podcast, we can talk about AMC but then, you know, I can tell you, well, here's what's going on <clears throat> with this product. Now, I don't want to tell you anything about the product right now because I'll, I'll wait till the Kickstarter goes live and then you can actually, I'll tell you about it. And you can go see it and look at it if you're so interested. I'm not trying to sell you on it. That's up to you. But if you want to know the inside story of that experience or if you have an idea for a product and an invention, you know, it's something that, you know, you might find an interest. What is it like setting up a Kickstarter or, you know, if you do want to invent something, what, you know, what have I learned since I started this, you know, process as well. And then it gives me something new to talk about. Um, so we're not just like, oh, we looked at the ticker today and it went up, it went down. Oh, so, um, you know, that's that's up to you. But uh, I really appreciate the chance to talk to you. And uh, I hope everybody's doing well. And uh, hopefully we'll keep this little run going. Right now as I'm ending the podcast at... Uh, we're ending this recording at 2 a.m. Pacific time, uh, 5 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. You know, the stock's sitting at $37.48. So, 
So who knows? I always say this, but maybe on the next episode, we'll have the mother of all short squeezes.